0: Welcome to Midweek in the Word, where each week we seek to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. This podcast is brought to you by Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, here is your host, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor, Pastor Brad Myers.
1: Hello again, listeners, and welcome back to Midweek in the Word. Uh, Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. We're, We're glad to have you. We're glad you're along for the ride. And uh, hopefully, you've enjoyed our series that we've recently been walking through, this What Does the Bible Say About series. But I also hope that you enjoyed last week's episode as we got the chance to have another ministry highlight as you got the opportunity to hear from another one of our staff and ministry leads. Hopefully, that was helpful to you and encouraging to you. This week, we are shifting back to our What Does the Bible Say About series. We're going to tackle our fourth and final week on the church. Maybe you thought Tom and I were never going to get <laughs> off of this subject. I, <laughs> we're getting there. Um, hopefully it's been encouraging to you to hear a little bit more about the church, that, that thing we probably take largely for granted as believers in the West. Um, but before we get to that, before I move on to our final subject here, I just want to welcome back Tom Rempel, Faith Bible Church's preaching pastor. Uh, thanks for coming back, Tom, for this fourth episode.
2: Hey, thanks. It's good to be back again.
1: Appreciate it's good. It. Hopefully we can we can kind of wrap up all the loose ends and put, <laughs> put pins in anything that was still in people's minds as far as questions on this subject before we wrap up today. But uh, Before we get to that, let me just remind you, listeners, that Tom, on Sunday, talked about Hebrews 2, verses 10 through 13, and how our salvation came at the expense of Christ's suffering, Um, sobering passage to deal with undeniably on Sunday, Tom. Uh, Listeners, if you missed that, just be reminded that you can always find those messages on our website, faithbiblelincoln.org, or you can go on to our... Uh, podcast series, which is just uh, search for Faith Bible Church Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, You can find the podcast with the black background and the white letters. You should be able to catch up on any sermons that you've missed in the past, including this recent one by Tom on Hebrews 2, 10 through 13. Uh, now, Tom, today we come to the end of our conversation. It's a bittersweet uh, to, yeah. to resolve this. I enjoy, I know you do as well, talking about the church. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've talked about who is a part of the church. We've talked about why Christ created the church, what is her mission. Uh, and then we've talked about how it's supposed to be structured and led last week. Um, now we finally come to what is probably the most practical or, or most implications uh, for our listeners the church's ministries. We want to talk about the ministries that Christ has given to the church. And once again, I just want to start by reading a few passages in this one or a few sections from our doctrinal statement, our statement of faith here at the church. Listeners will be reminded that if you're interested in reading more of this, you can always find it. Just go to Faith Bible Church or Faith And if you hit on the about us section, you can find our doctrinal statement on our website. And There's a few passages that I want to read here that speak to what the church is called to do, a few sections here in our doctrinal statement. So I'm just going to read these three paragraphs, and then we'll dive into our discussion here a little bit more, Tom. Uh, Listeners, this comes from our doctrinal statement. We say this, We believe that true believers must meet together on a regular basis for instruction, worship, sharing, and encouragement in order to maintain spiritual growth and to encourage each other to continually look for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. These assemblies are to be characterized by corporate worship, biblical instruction, prayer, and fellowship. Now, then we go on and we talk about the two sacraments, the two ordinances, as our listeners may be familiar, uh, which are also a vital part of the church's ministry. We say this, we believe that all who profess faith in Jesus Christ as Savior are to be water baptized as a public identification with him. We also hold that the clearest portrayal of the significance of this baptism is the mode of immersion, baptism being one of the things we celebrated a few weeks ago at our outdoor service, the One Faith event. Second, We believe that participation in the Lord's table, communion, is the privilege and responsibility of all believers and that it should be celebrated with regularly as a continual testimony to Christ's death and soon return to earth. We also hold that this celebration is open to all true believers. These are things we regularly engage in, the normal gathering and the two ordinances. These are at least the start of our discussion on what the church (laughs) is called to do as far as her ministries. Tom, let's dive into this. What does the Bible say about the ministries of the church?
2: Uh, To talk about the ministry, and uh, when we talk ministries, we tend to think in terms of program activities and that, but it it starts with remembering what the mission of the church was, and basically the church exists because there are lost people in the world who don't yet worship God. So we are salt and light. Um, He says in a letter to Timothy, we are the pillar and support of the truth. So we are the place where people look and can find what is truth, what is, what is not truth. Um, there, there are two greats that impact our mission and therefore our ministry, and that is the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And then you've got the great commission, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. So all, all of that coming in, I think the ministries of the church when the early church had 3,000 baby Christians they, they devoted themselves to four primary things that ended up in a fifth and as they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So we, we call that the, the worship gatherings as it were. So the church gathered devotes itself as we said in the doctrinal statement to the hearing of God's word and then to the mutual encouragement of one another into fellowship, and then a reminder, again, putting the spotlight to focus on Christ. So through the, through the communion observation, through the baptism and all, but then also the, the prayer, the intercession, not only for mm-hmm. one another, but for the loss of the world and all that. And then out of that, in Acts 2, comes evangelism, and the mm-hmm. Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. So it, her ministries have to do with, one, building herself up in order to take the gospel out.
1: Mm. Which really relates to our, our cyclic nature of our, our vision statement. Yeah. Reach, mature, equip, reach, mature, yeah. equip, all to glory of God, um, admittedly. Okay, so, so you're, you're speaking very f- foundational here, Acts <laughs> 2, 42 through 47 being this primary. Uh, our, our motivating force, our what is, the, what is the thing that motivates everything we do, is the Great Commission, is yeah. this command, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Yeah. How we go about doing that we see played out very quickly in Acts 2, 42 yeah. through 47. What do they do? What do they commit to? Basic ministries. Teaching the Word, yeah. prayer, fellowship, and the breaking of bread. We see that, okay? okay. So we've got these express commands very quickly. Uh, talk briefly about the two ordinances that I read about. Why are those integrally involved in that as well?
2: Well, the, the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, is a constant looking back and looking forward because because the church is Christ's body and because he is the head and because she exists in order to proclaim to the lost the hope that he came to bring. We see that in the Lord's Supper as, the, as a, this bread is my body which was given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me, looking back. This cup... Is the new covenant in my blood? Drink this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So it's a looking back at the sufficiency of Christ's death on our behalf. The church needs to be reminded again. We're not a social club, but we come together because we were the redeemed lost people. But it also says as often as you do these things, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. So it's a, the, the Lord's Supper keeps us looking forward that his plan's not complete yet. Mm. So together we're looking for something that goes beyond where we are in the present. We're looking for his glorious second return. The baptism is a is a recognition that we cannot save ourselves. Someone had to die in our place. But by faith, I believe that he died in my place, and I let others know that because my body, when it's laid under the water, is a statement. I believe in his death and burial for my sins. When it's raised Mm. up out of the water, I believe in his resurrected life, so I'm raised to new life. And so the gathered church is the celebration of people that have gone from death to life Mm. by their faith in Christ. So... The communion reminds us that he died for us and is coming again. Baptism reminds us, I believed that, and he has raised me to new life.
1: Yeah, and in some ways, those, those two exemplify so much who the church is. Yeah. You know, the celebration of the Lord's Supper being that reminder of what he's done for us and that yeah. future hope of what we live for. Baptism, obviously, being the who of who is a part of this body, those that have been, who have died with Christ and been raised again yeah. with Christ, this incredible reminder. So we see that played out in the two ordinances that we're commanded to do, yeah. go therefore, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. And we also have the idea of the breaking of bread that we see there. Um, obviously, all of this is facilitated by what we've already talked about, the teaching of the Word, yeah. the devotion to the apostles' teaching where we see the Word proclaimed. So obviously we preach, but that obviously isn't limited just to the preaching of the Word. That should engage in a lot of different environments of the church as well. Um, Then you get fellowship. Okay, now let's talk about that a little bit. Probably people understand this idea of they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Most people are familiar with a preacher getting up and preaching and ministering and Bible studies and different things where the Word is shared
2: and explained. What is this idea of fellowship? I personally think that fellowship is best defined in the verses that follow in Acts 2, All who believed were together, that's fellowship, shared all things in common, and they were selling their possessions, belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day to day they were meeting together uh, in the temple and house to house. So fellowship is really living the Christian life together to the extent that if someone has a need, I'm part of God's solution to that need. Mm -hmm. And so it's knowing the needs of one another, and the self-sacrificing willingness to meet that need, and again, it's it's only obvious because it's relational. It's uh, we we're spending, we're living our lives together as believers. So fellowship is really just. Or my father used to de- describe it as fellowship is simply two men in the same boat. It's two mm. men in the same ship. It's it's what we do together because of the Christ that we both own and that we both love.
1: Mm. I I love, well, if you go back into the terminology as far as koinonia and what's being participation, it's intriguing to me that that word can be used both for kind of the mutual edification, the involvement in each other's lives uh, in that way relationally, and it's also used of involvement, participation for financial help. And yep. so we see that as well, right? They're yep. just beyond in, in Acts two. They're selling all their positions, and they're yep. and they're helping those, and, and God is being glorified through that. And so it's this this mutual shared life. Yeah. We have a shared life, and we talked about that from First John in our One Faith service. We have a shared life with each other, a fellowship with each other, because we have fellowship with God. That's really First John one.
2: Yeah, as and individuals, two. we we are saved individually, uh, but we are not saved to live individualistically. I mean, that yeah. suddenly the the me becomes a we. And the fellowship really emphasizes that that I, I suddenly am saved into a community, into a family, yeah. and uh, it's no longer mine, but it's ours. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's often uh, abused and misrepresented, yeah. but it's really a sense of caring one for another. Yeah. Uh, or as he said in Romans, it's it's weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. So it's like you said, it's the shared life. And we usually say that it is it is costly. Yeah. fellowship. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's very good. Okay, so we've got the apostles' teaching, we've got fellowship. You've already talked a little bit about breaking of bread. What about the prayers? What about prayer there that we see at the end of the list?
2: Well, the, the, the prayer is is the recognition of how radically dependent we are, that yeah. even though we are the body of Christ, we, we need our life from the head. And uh, so when when you read the book of Acts, you find that at... at over and over, in in the hour of prayer, they were going up to the temple. They hadn't totally separated from the practice of Judaism at that point. Hadn't yet been driven out. But even after they are driven out, you go beyond Acts chapter eight, and they are constantly gathering to pray together to be encouraged to one another. Or you read the epistles, and the apostles say, "Be praying for me." So it's intercession, not it. it it's adoration. Certainly, prayer begins with you know hallowed be your name, but it's also the act of intercession, so it's the recognition that my brothers and sisters have needs of the Spirit to work in their life, and so I cry out to him that he would meet their need, and if necessary, he would meet it through me. Mm. I might be the answer to my own prayers in that, but it's really just a declaration of total dependence.
1: Mm. Yeah, very, very good. I, I like that idea. Okay, so if I can frame this out here just a bit, what we've got is we've got a a mission, we've got a task, we've got a primary goal of reaching the lost. And in order to accomplish that, we've been given four very specific, maybe five, depending on how we look at that, very specific tasks that the church is supposed to engage in that we need to engage in so that we're prepared to reach the lost. Teaching, because we don't know everything we need to know. We don't know how to live a Christian life in and of our own power, so we need that instruction. Fellowship, because we're not called to achieve that mission, to pursue yeah. that mission by ourselves, because we need each other. The breaking of bread, maybe we include baptism and the ordinances and that, that same kind of theme because we need a reminder, because we tend to forget yeah. these basic tenets of the gospel as we go about our mission of reaching the lost, and prayer because we're not sufficient in our own power. There go. You know, that idea of Christ's words. Without me, you can do nothing. Yeah. I am the vine, you are the branches, abide in me. That prayer emphasis that we can't accomplish this mission, we can't accomplish this task. Apart apart from engaging in prayer and calling on God's power to enable us to do it. So we've got these big four things, the big five things uh, that we need to look at in this theme. Are there any other um, maybe more minor things or maybe things that build off of these specific calls that the church has given throughout the New Testament that we should be concerned with?
2: Well, over and over as you're reading the epistles, there were very specific uh needs represented one of our elders said one time we, we were talking about what is what is expository bible teaching yeah. and we said you know it's working paragraph by paragraph through the text as it was delivered and it's not topical preaching so I'll, I'll never forget he goes Every one of the New Testament epistles was a topical <laughs> sermon. There was something going on in a congregation that needed a biblical yeah, yeah. answer.
1: It was contextual.
2: Yeah. yeah. So so it, it's that. It's that recognition, the implication. In our case there are generational kind of applications of these mm-hmm. so we have ministries of the word we have ministries of the word appropriate to age stage in life and yeah. so we do you know children's ministry tonight we'll have a Wana. and we do youth ministry we bring the word on a level that a teenager can yeah. embrace and understand it and apply it And uh, and then there's the ministries of compassion. So, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, the deacons, but quite honestly, one of their primary roles was to minister to the physical needs of the members of the body. So uh, some of the ministries have to do with that. And then there's also the ministry of being salt and light in the community. So the church goes out into, the church scattered goes out into a dark world and Brings the light of hope to mm-hmm. that, and so sometimes those are programmatic, but more often than not, it's just simply each yeah. individual being Jesus in his square mile, as we say.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I know the grid that kind of helps me put it together is this idea that the church is kind of called uh, to do three things: we're called to exalt Christ, we're called yeah. to worship Christ and and God, we're called to. Uh, edify each other. We're called to yeah. en- engage with each other. That's that fellowship and some of those mutual things. And then we're called to reach. We're called to go and evangelize the world. And through that grid, those core ministries, we see any number of different forms. You know, so it can look yeah. like ministry to different groups. It can look like ministry in different places. It can look like compassion ministry, or it can look like teaching ministry. There's so many. I mean, the, the list of what we could yeah. do as yeah. a church is, is virtually endless. Yeah. Um, but the the primary focuses being these things we're talking about here um, let's 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 move on here to our next question briefly is are there any other key passages in addition to acts 2 42 through 47 that we need to keep in mind when it comes to what the tasks are that the church needs to engage in
2: well it's certainly as we said a couple weeks ago Ephesians 4 you know, he gave leaders apostles and prophets evangelists teachers for the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry. Mm. So we need to certainly look at Ephesians 4. And again, that's in the context, it's those works of ministry that continue to sustain the unity of the Spirit that's been given. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, certainly, uh, is that we are each one of us baptized into the body of Christ. And at that point, according to the Spirit's discretion, we receive gifts of different measure, but also the expression of it. But at, at the end of that, he, he says, he, he kind of lists them out in order. He gave first apostles, then prophets, then teachers, and then the works of miracles. So the apostles, those that are going, and the prophets, those who are proclaiming, and the teachers, those that are explaining, and the miracles, those who are doing the convincing. So, again, they're there ministry activities that accomplish the, the propagation of the gospel.
1: Mm. Yeah, obviously Ephesians four and first Corinthians twelve being primary mm-hmm. spiritual gift yeah. passages along with Romans twelve and first Peter yep. four yeah. as well that highlight that. And and I love that all of those really put the emphasis on, you know, the church leadership to talk yeah. about the structure conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago. The church leadership is there to enable and yeah. to 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 invest in those, and then those are yeah. the, the ministries there are again, infinite, you know, it's just gifting is allowed to go, you know, and go and do uh, for the sake of the purpose. And
2: and Titus 2 actually uh, makes it uh, age and gender specific, is that the older men are to encourage the younger men in this way, and this Mm. is how they're to behave, and the older women are to encourage the younger women. So again, ministries have the word and the application of the word uh, over and over.
1: Very good. Very good. Okay, so we could go on and on about the potentials (laughs) for different ministries here, but we obviously have to keep moving. Uh, What about disagreements? Is there anything related to this idea of what the churches should actually engage in um, that are disagreed upon within Orthodoxy?
2: Well, it it was interesting because you've kind of did it for for many, many years. We say every church basically would say that their ministries Uh, are exaltation, edification, equipping and evangelizing the big ease, you know. So there's really not a lot of disagreement about what ministries each church ought to do. What is different is that some put emphasis on an area more Mm -hmm. than on the other. So not disagreement, but probably distinction. I'm thinking in terms of an elder from one of the Mega churches in our city, came to me and he said, we're really strong at reaching lost people. We see a lot of conversions. Mm. Evangelism is our strength, but equipping the saints is Faith Bible Church's strength. He mm. said, if we could blend our ministries together, <laughs> we would really have something going. I thought that was interesting. So again, yeah. they would say that they believe in the four E's as well, but their unique gifting and calling emphasizes, mm. I would say in our case, More of the equipping has been, you know, the founding, the the Mm. maturing of the saints is probably the the default for us, more than the evangelism of the lost, even though we're committed to doing that. So I I would say not so much disagreement as just perhaps just different emphasis. Mm
1: -hmm. And some of that is, you know, obviously areas that, you know, every church is going to seek to be Good at all those things, you know. Yeah. It's just natural gifting and seeking balance and trying to prop it up, prop us up where we're weak, and try to improve in different areas. And some of that is also just the natural beauty of the church yeah. at different scales, yeah. like we talked about a few weeks ago. You know, the church individual. No one church is the whole sum yeah. of the church, um, and so it's an incredible reality to watch different churches function in different. I, I hate to use the marketing term niche, but it's kind yeah, of it that same idea that yeah. God has gifted different churches in different capacities. And we seem to see that in the New Testament. You know, yep. when we talk, yep. you know, Paul's writing to 1 Corinthians and he's going, You guys have all sorts of gifts, but you, yeah. you're really messed up on yeah. your area of leadership and some things like that.
2: Well, even the summer series on the letters to the seven churches, each of those gifts, is says, I, I know your deeds. And yeah. so each of those had a unique, as you said, niche uh, in that. But at the same time, they were all. Called to the same mission. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, very much so. Okay, so our disagreements aren't so much disagreements as they are the practical application, the outworking yeah. of this. We all do things just a little bit different. Not all of our ministries look exactly the same. What What about heresies? Is this really an area that you can get into, some heretical things?
2: Well, they it, it, it probably are. not. Not I would say it would be the outwork. And right now, one of the big debates amongst evangelicals is on the social justice thing. Mm, yeah, we've and, talked about that uh, before. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's like, what is the ministry of the church? And over time, I mean, we are supposed to have a compassionate heart and supposed to be socially alert. And we do stand for justice.
1: Yeah.
2: But there are i think some churches have t- it all supersedes the gospel yeah. suddenly they don't they didn't intend that to be but it it can become a heresy when your first thing is no longer the first thing yeah so then that, that would be a, a misleading or uh, a a friend told me that that they had grown their church uh, with a particular emphasis on ministry they woke up about a decade into it and went, we're a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm-hmm. And so they tried to go back to bring balance to what a church's ministries ought to be. And they saw people leaving in droves and asked why. They said, well, you didn't draw us here on this basis. Yeah. And so you, so they, they had gotten into the entertainment kind of thing. Yeah. And so, again, it was a heresy. No, it was just an imbalance that became a problem. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Yeah, I've heard it said that as as a church, we... We, what we win people with is what we win people to, yeah. and yeah. Uh, we have one yeah. message that we win people with, and it's the gospel. Any other message may draw a crowd, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily create a church. Yeah. And so that idea, that's, that's a good reminder to keep in mind. Okay, now obviously that one, as far as the cautions, there's probably a little bit more on the church leadership side, as yeah. far as how do we as church leaders, as elders and deacons, how do we shape ministry? How do we kind of direct people in the right direction? Um, but for our individual listeners, what's the, or what's the impact of this idea of what the ministry of the church ought to be?
2: Well, I think because of the ministry of the church, everyone, as we said before, has a spiritual gift and a role to play so the the question that I should ask myself is, how has God uniquely enabling me to make a contribution to the overall ministry that he's called my church to undertake so uh, as we would say, you know it's find your fit uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, live live your Christian life in a way that complements the gifting and strengths of your brothers and sisters in the body. so be engaged, be involved, uh, be serving
1: yeah. To Paul's words, right, to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. good. Uh, Each one of us has been given a specific spiritual gift, not for our own spiritual path, but to encourage the good of the church, to to enable the good of the church. Um, Obviously, I am a, and I know you are as well, I know I'm a big proponent of spiritual gifts, that understanding what the Bible teaches about how the Spirit has enabled us to minister to the church. And yet there's also kind of a, a, a tendency there to be like, I've got this own personal fulfillment dream. I've been gifted in this particular way and I've got to serve in exactly that specific role. As opposed to sometimes it's like God's given you that role and you may not see how it fits, but the church has this need. Go serve. Like Go yeah. minister to somebody. Find a way to engage that. And I think that's a good encouragement for all of us that our gifts are incredible gifts from God, but they're not first and foremost about us. Yeah. They're first and foremost about what God is doing in his church. And to employ those in a way that's edifying to the body, I think is a really good encouragement. Well listeners, this is this is it for this week's episode basically. I, I know we're we're running long here again already. <laughs> These church discussions seem to go so quickly for me, but let me remind you a little bit of what Tom has shared here. With us to keep in mind as far as the ministries of the church, Uh, remember that motivating force. Go back to that mission. The mission of the church is is to rescue lost people, is to share the gospel with lost people. To do that in order to build up the body, in order to equip the saints, in order to prepare people for ministry, we've got a number of major tasks. These involve the ministry of the word, that dedication to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the ordinances, the prayers. These emphasis that we see in a number of different passages Obviously, we've got Acts 2, 42 through 47 as a primary passage there. And then the four passages on the spiritual gifts, 1 Peter 4, or not, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, and Romans 12, obviously that emphasis too in Titus 2 of some particular ministries, women ministering to women, men ministering to men is a unique emphasis as well. Not a whole lot of disagreements here within orthodoxy, really theological disagreements, uh, though you're going to see this outworked in a lot of different ways within individual churches. And don't expect every church to look the same, because you've looked at a church one way in the past doesn't mean that the next church has to do it the same way uh, that you would attend in the future. Um, As far as Harris, that there, you know, a couple of cautions related to that, but not a whole lot that we need to be mindful of related to this idea of the ministries of the church. You know, that one we've talked about before, expanding that into everything and social justice is one to keep an eye out for. Um, Then lastly, just that encouragement to employ your gift. Engage. We mentioned this a couple weeks ago with the structure of the church. Engage with the church. Find a way to see that, that gift employed for the good of the church. Your personal ministry has a role to play in the ministry of the church. You just have to figure out what that is and what it looks like. Uh, Any final thoughts or encouragements for our listeners on this, Tom?
2: Yeah, I think just a reminder that the church is both an organization and an organism, and keeping those two in balance. But I think my, my exhortation would be just find a team that's doing a good thing and join it.
1: Amen. Yeah. Amen. In a lot of ways, our discussion from a couple of weeks ago on structure is the organization, yep. and this is a bit more the organism, yep. the ministry that takes place on the part of the body. Well, listeners, hopefully this has been encouraging to you. Let me just remind you that this coming Sunday, Tom is going to be in Hebrews. He's going to be explaining how Christ's suffering leads to strengthen our own suffering from Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. A challenging message, but probably a good reminder for all of us right now. We hope you join us at either our 9 o'clock or 1030 service. We'd love to see you here on Sunday morning. And thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Uh, if it's been helpful to you, just remember you can share it, rate it, or comment on it to help other people find it. If you have any additional questions, you can send those to R at fbclnk.org or Brad M at fbclnk.org.
0: And we hope you join us again next week for Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Faith Bible Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, or on Twitter at the handle at FBC Lincoln. As for this week, we'll leave you with Paul's words to Timothy. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith.